few people know Disruption as well as Alex Mashinsky. Alex was one of the inventors of voice over IP, a technology that many people use every single day without a second thought to a time before when making calls was difficult, expensive, and worked only inconsistently. With that experience in his back pocket, as well as many years and investments in a number of successful startups, Alex is at it again, and this time he's hoping to disrupt the world of banking. His new company, Celsius Network, works on the blockchain and helps users grow their wealth with cryptocurrency. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Alex and Ian dive into how Celsius is working to build a world without banks, what advantages there are working on the blockchain, and how the future might look different thanks to this technology. Enjoy the episode. This podcast is sponsored by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash build mobile apps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have on the other line, Alex, what's going on? Doing great. Yeah, just finished blockchain week here in New York. Going to try to get some rest this weekend. Yeah, what a what a time to be talking uh, blockchain with the IT Visionaries community after you just spent a week in New York talking about it. First, I would love to get into a little bit about what you're working on and building at Celsius Network. Now, obviously, you're your founder and CEO. What was the reason behind why you wanted to build Celsius Network? So our slogan is uh, unbank yourself, right? And the idea behind it is that really we, we feel that uh, the banks have become uh, such monopolistic institutions that they stop caring for their depositors. They only care for their shareholders. And they're basically extracting uh, way too much from uh, all of us. The 99% of Americans that, are not part of the 1% and giving it all to, uh, to the few people who are the major shareholders of these institutions. And, and uh, you know, my background, one of the first guys to do voice over IP, I wrote the patents and built the original gateways and things like that. And uh, people looked at me and said, oh, you, you can't bring down the phone companies. You know, they, they're the strongest, most powerful companies on the planet, you know, like, and those companies used to charge us $3 a minute, you know, to call our friends and family. And now we are having this phone call with you for free, right? So, so tenacity and uh, doing the right thing uh, does pay off. And here, the next mission after taking down the phone companies is to take down the banks because we're all going to be better off if uh, we created a, an organization to act in our best interest, just like all these apps, you know, like we're using Zoom today, right? It's yep. giving us a lot of value almost for free. So, so we, we can do well and we can do good. And usually it, it's better if the good comes first. So that's what Celsius is trying to do. Yeah, we had Anthony Pompliano on a while ago. And, you know, he said a lot of the same stuff that, you know, the, the power of blockchain is, you know, as a disruptor is something that is similar to exactly what you talked about. You know, obviously, you being one of the ones you've won numerous awards, including the Albert Einstein Technology Medal in 2000, Technology Foresight and Innovation, Top Entrepreneur Award, and and been nominated for Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year, Entrepreneur of the Year Award twice. You have a long background of disruption. You have a long background of pushing what's possible. Like, why now? Why with Celsius? And why unbanking? So... For every uh, technologies, there's the right time. And one of the companies that started, I think you mentioned that Groundlink uh, was Uber before Uber in 2003. And it was just too early, right? And uh, just a few years later, somebody came and did exactly what we did. And it was the hottest thing. So I hope um, our timing is good here because uh, I feel that, uh, you know, there's seven and a half billion people on the planet that are that want to earn more on their money, right? They want to pay less on their loans. And it's just never going to come from the banks. I mean, the banks are just not, they could care less. The attitude is, you know, basically we have this God-given monopoly to take your money for free. 
and then lend it to your neighbor on his credit card at 25% and pay you nothing for that or pay you maybe 1%, right? So they keep 95% of the value, 24 out of 25%, just because you need a safe place to put your money, right? So it's just a completely ridiculous idea. So I think what Celsius does is it charges a third of what bank charge on loans and then gives 80% of what we collect back to the depositor. So, so we think that's a much more fair arrangement and we don't think that a toll collector uh, in the middle should be keeping 80% of the value. They should be distributing 80% of the value. So we, we much more model ourselves after Costco and Amazon and people like that who really do everything for their customers, right? So, and I think that's what the internet revolution is all about. And this is what the blockchain is a new revolution, right? It's even a bigger wave than the internet wave because it touches all the money in the world. It's like a new set of rails, just like, just like a voice of IP needed a new set of rails to disrupt the phone companies. The blockchain is a new set of rails that is disrupting the banking and the money supply, which, which really, again, has been abused by central banks and governments for the last 50 years. So as you started building this company, you officially launched, I think, in, was it July of 2018? How long have you been working on this before you launched the company? I'd imagine that you've been thinking about blockchain for a long time. Yeah, so blockchain is a 30-year-old technology, right? I mean, it's not something that was invented just a few years ago. And, and I, I tried to dabble in fintech over the years. Like I was trying to create money that you could attach to your email and send to other people back in 2003. And uh, it was just very, very difficult to do that, to solve the double spend problem where uh, you know, because the problem with digital assets is that when you, you know, if you take a picture of your cat and you send it to your parents, you still own the, a copy of the picture, right? So it's very difficult to do that with money. You can't keep replicating money, and figuring out who, care, who, who actually has the money at any time. So the beauty of the blockchain technology is that, that, that and especially what Satoshi Nakamoto did but with the Bitcoin, is that it created the technical infrastructure and gave the right incentives for everybody to to operate this network right and and so so after 2009 2010 when i started kind of taking a closer look at the technology you know i didn't think it was going to be scalable because the amount of electricity and processing that it required uh, but seeing the resilience of the community after mount gox like seeing basically people lose all of their coins and still keep going, dust it off, wake up, get up, and keep keep walking. This is a serious phenomenon. This is not just a, a toy or a game or, or anything like that. And so I looked at okay, how do we disrupt? How do we actually launch something where we can take down this monopoly that the banks have and deliver something to the community? And we didn't really launch uh, Celsius until uh, 2017 because there were just too many obstacles and too many unknowns both on the regulatory side and on the technology side to be able to launch a service. But when we kind of figured out all the pieces and realized that we can deliver a service, a utility, uh, so anyone on the planet can basically uh, convert their currency into a stable coin or a Bitcoin and uh, deposit it with us and earn interest, right? We pay up to 8% interest on these coins. So eight times more than the bank uh, pays you and do it for everyone, right? Everybody on the planet can join this platform. And Ethereum, which is the main blockchain we're working on, can support that because we only do basically one transaction a week. We only pay interest once a week. So we're not really loading the network with uh, stuff like some other people tried to do where they brought down like uh, CryptoKitties, right? Which was a service that somebody came up with, brought down the entire Ethereum network. So. So we try to be also a responsible citizen and, and come up with an infrastructure solution that did not tax the, the global blockchain and enabled everybody to benefit, but not uh, harm the infrastructure that we're, we're all using. So we launched, like you said, in the, the first app, the launch of June 2018. And we just announced yesterday at Consensus that uh, we have over $200 million in deposits. These are coin deposits, right? And we did the 1.2 billion in coin loans, uh, which is how we generate income for all of our depositors. So, 
So it's going extremely well. If this pace continues, we will be probably one of the largest or the largest holders of assets in, in this industry. So, and it's, it's great news for the community because uh, basically I think the ability to earn this return is something that is, I see that as a God-given right, right? All of us should have our money work for us, not just us work for our money, right? And, and worldwide, it's a, huge, it's a huge problem. I mean, the people in many, many countries around the world have negative yields. They actually have to pay the bank yeah. to take their money. And, and uh, we're not far from that in the United States. So the time has come for, for the people to take the power back and take some of these profits that the bank are generating for their uh, investors and deliver that back to the community. Well, and I think, you know, you hit on something key there is that the trend is going in the opposite way, right? It's not like things are getting, you're, we're not getting more interest as like over time. And you look at, you know, a lot of these, you know, 1% or half a percent or whatever it is in, in, a, in your standard like savings account. Like it's, it doesn't even keep up with inflation. It is negative yield. Like you're still losing money. There's a lot of crypto wallets that have kind of like popped up since kind of, I would say, you know, in the last two years. And it seems like what you're building at Celsius is so far beyond that. The ability to pay interest to your customers, the fact that you're thinking about your customers like a technology company thinks about customers or just any mature company that, you know, these are people that we need to continue to serve and that we're going to have their best interests. How does having like a big company mindset or, or maybe maybe it's not a big company mindset, but maybe it's just like a modern mindset help you shape the needs of, of the people that you're serving? So look, I'm an entrepreneur and a founder, right? I'm definitely not a big company uh, mindset, right? I think a lot of financial institutions as well as technology companies are looking at this blockchain thing as decentralization and scratching their heads saying, gosh, you know, how, how do I get into this? I know there's something good here. How do I inject some blockchain into my organization? And, and that's just, you know, upside down. I mean, you, the blockchain or decentralization is not a sanitizer or, uh, you know, some vitamin that you inject into your body, right? I mean, you have to reinvent your process. You have to reinvent what you do and utilize these rails to deliver something better, cheaper, faster, right? So, so everything I described before talks about something that cannot be done any other way. You cannot take 7 billion people and pay them interest if you're using banking or credit cards or anything like that, right? Because what they're going to earn is going to be less than what the fee of sending money is. So the, the beauty of the blockchain is that you can deliver, you know, a fractions of a dollar to anyone and, and the cost of delivering that is almost zero, right? So, so it enables this functionality, and because of that, we can offer the service we offer to the masses. So it's really, you know, I, I see a lot of people who are, you know, basically trying to do real estate on a blockchain or trying to do some other stuff on the blockchain, and all they're doing is taking an old business and trying to inject some blockchain into it, right? Just uh, And so it's very hard for a lot of executives and a lot of innovators to re reinvent themselves and to think differently because you have to really mold yourself into the technology, not mold the technology into yourself. Again, you see that if you look at everything I've done in my career, I mean, these were all startups that kind of took advantage of this or that innovation to, to really reinvent this or that industry. And here we're just doing that again. And, but it starts with the idea that you want to do good and you, you want to uh, provide better service to, to many, many people because otherwise you're going to end up where the internet and, and where the blockchain has ended up in the first phase, which was just a bunch of toll collectors coming and saying, oh, gosh, you want to buy some Bitcoin? Great. We're going to create an exchange, a centralized exchange, and charge you 5% to buy your Bitcoin. You know, so most of the vendors today on the blockchain space are uh, not really here to make the world a better place. They're here to just extract the toll as many people try to onboard to the blockchain. Uh, we don't charge any fees. We don't charge any penalties. We, we, like I said, we're unbanking. So we're trying to do the opposite of what banks do to you every day. And only if we can generate a return, uh, then we take 80% of that and give it back to our community. So basically, like you're getting a percentage of the interest that you generate, and that's the revenue stream? 
Yes, exactly. So, and then how are you generating the interest or is that the secret sauce? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not secret at all. It's like, uh, I, uh, so you, you're familiar with Binance. Uh, they have a coin called BNB. Yeah. Uh, so, so what Binance does, for example, right? They run an exchange. They, they sell you Bitcoin. They, they sell you something else. They collect fees, right? And then they take 20% of those fees and they give it, they use them to buy their own token, right? And that's what makes the token valuable because all the holders in the community know that, okay, uh, Binance is a successful company. They're going to be buying this many tokens every, every week or every month. So we, we kind of do the same thing. We just, we think that the lending business or the borrowing business is a thousand times bigger than the exchange business, right? I mean, the number of people that need to buy or sell cryptocurrencies is much smaller than the number of people that need loans or, or want to earn interest. So, so we created a, a similar model, uh, but instead of paying 20%, we pay 80%. And instead of focusing on trading, we focused on giving people cheap loans. We only do asset-backed loans, and we basically pay interest or pay 80% of it back to the community. And so who needs loans, right? Everybody needs loans. There isn't a person yeah. on the planet that doesn't need a loan. Right now, we only do asset-backed lending, so you have to give us, a, give us an asset. And today, we only accept digital assets, and we lend you against those assets. So because these are asset-backed lending, the, the rates are very low. We charge as low as 5% per year for the, for the loan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Dang, that's crazy. So you're loaning it like, wow, that's... that's Between 5 yeah. and 9%. And, and part of it, so part of that is that it's, it's amazing, but most of the states in the United States have old laws. I mean, these are laws that are 70 or even 100 years old that incentivize low interest lending. So if you, if you charge less than the usual laws, which is 15%, if you charge less than that, you don't need a lending license because the state incentivizes you to issue the loans. So the only reason the banks have licenses is because they all charge more than 15%. When we showed up and started charging 9% and people said, oh, where's your license? And we're like, no, you don't need a license. <laughs> you know, it just people, you have to, sometimes you have to dig to find these things, but some of the good laws are still buried there and you can use them, you know? Well, it's, you know, it's really funny. I, quick aside here, but one of the companies that we've used in the past is this company, Street Shares, where they do affinity-based lending. So basically they have bonds that you can buy for five, gives you 5% yield over a year. And then they lend at seven and a half or more to businesses that are owned by veterans, military veterans. And basically it's like, you know, trust-based loans, but it's the same exact sort of thing, like the exact same sort of thing. It's like, it's under a certain amount, which is why they can do it. Wow. That's fascinating. We didn't really invent anything new. We just take all the profits that the banks take for themselves or their shareholders and give it to the other guy. So what would be your advice for, you know, our listeners that are, you know, C-level leaders that are CIOs and CTOs that want to want to start thinking about blockchain for their organizations? You know, I love that. I love that what you said is, you know, it's not a vitamin. It's not a pill that you take and just inject blockchain into the business um, that you need to have like a principled approach and, and looking like at building from the bottom up. So, you know, and maybe you heard some stuff at, you know, some best practices at, you know, this week at Crypto Week in New York, but but I'm curious, you know, you're around this so much. What are some of those best practices or use cases that you've seen that big companies are doing it right? Well, I, I can't tell you that anyone is doing it right because uh, there is no killer app on the blockchain yet, right? So Bitcoin is 10 years old and almost 11 now, right? And, and uh, we're all struggling for scale, right? I mean, when I did Voice of IP, and I showed up and started showing people how they can make phone calls for 20 or 30 cents instead of 2 or $3 a minute, uh, it was very easy to convert them, right? And hundreds of millions yeah. of people, now, now billions of people are using the service, right? So with the blockchain, it's a little bit different. It's not here, it costs you $2, and now it's going to cost you zero, right? So you see, the problem is that, that most Americans, most people around the world, they don't feel the inflation on their money. They don't feel yeah. that the dollar is losing 2 to 3% every year. They don't feel the money they did not earn on their money. They don't feel the $30 billion in profit that JP Morgan made last year extracting that from their customers, from their depositors, because they don't pay them any interest, right? So all that is invisible, right? So invisible for most people, and they just go to work and they pay their taxes and whatever's left, they deposit in the bank, 
and they hope they're going to finish the month. So, so it's very difficult to convince people that uh, you, the new startup, is a trusted institution and that you can do better and you're actually going to do what you say and you're going to act in people's best interest. And, and the problem we're having is that, look, uh, Lehman Brothers went under, for example, in August, I think, of 2018. Three months earlier, their auditor uh, issued the audit for 2017 and said uh, that they were a marvelous and amazing organization. And then just a few months later, $600 billion worth of value, poof, disappeared. And the taxpayers had to bail out all the other banks. So we cannot trust our system. Right? Satoshi created the, the Bitcoin and wrote the white paper trying to explain to everyone in the world that you're not going to fix that. No moral hazard. No, you know, no one held accountable. You're not going to fix that by passing new laws or by electing new politicians. You need a new economic system. And if you think about communism or socialism or capitalism, and I, I was lucky enough to live in all three systems, and this is the fourth system. Decentralization is a fourth system. But it's only a fourth system if all of us, the average Joe, all of us take this power in our hands and stop giving our money for free to the people that do not act in our best interest. I'm saying all of that in the context that anyone who's listening to this, if you're, again, if you work in a company, you have to do what Netflix did, for example, right? Where they reinvented their own business. They knew that online streaming is going to kill their DVD business, and they went and killed their own business, right? And here, you know, you need to kill your existing business and reinvent it on the blockchain. And, and when we say rails, the analogy is that, uh, you know, you can't take the cars and the caboose and just put it on a new set of rails because these new rails have a completely different width and they're just the old stuff is not going to run on the new rails. That's why you have to create a whole new business model. And what Celsius is doing is basically creating a new business model for the banking business, right? Using the blockchain as a delivery mechanism. You know, a lot of people looking at this and scratching their head and saying, ah, it's never going to be successful, right? You can't do that. No one's going to trust you with giving you their money. No one is going to, people from all over the world are not just going to take their hard-earned cash, convert it into some stable coin or Bitcoin, and ship it to you, hoping that you will act in their best interest. And because people are so, are, have been abused for so many years from a financial standpoint, they're doing that every day. And we, right now, we're adding, without any ads or without anything, we're adding 2 to $3 million a day in wow. deposits. Because people are fed up, right? They don't see a future for themselves. And suddenly when you show them a path where their money can make money instead of them working for it, they believe it and they trust it, right? So, so, and we have a huge responsibility on our shoulders to deliver on this because it's not just for the depositors. Every bank, every regulator wants this thing to be shut down because we're endangering here the franchise, the, the entire franchise for this entire financial community. So for the folks out there that, you know, have have money in whatever it is, Bitcoin, stablecoin, whatever it is, uh, in different wallets, like how does this work compared to your your normal bank? Can you just switch over from from something to Celsius, like how does that work in terms of like if they wanted to get, you know, the 6.4% interest or if they wanted to earn 6.4% interest on, on Bitcoin on, on Celsius, you know, how does that work? So, so yeah, let's go through it because it, it is confusing for a lot of people. So, so basically think of your salary as a value that you convert. You convert your work to a salary, right? You, work, you convert your hours worked into dollars and then you give that value to an institution, a bank, and then you have to move it into a savings account, right? And that savings account earns interest, hopefully 1% a year or more. And whatever is earned, the bank earns it for you and then deposits it in your account. So Celsius, Celsius does exactly the same thing, right? Celsius basically takes whatever value you created and just says to you, look, instead of converting that into dollars, convert it, for example, into a stable coin. What is a stable coin? It's a, it's a cryptocurrency. It's an ERC-20 token issued by for Circle, for example. USDC is, is a stable coin, which is a digital currency that is backed by a dollar, meaning for every token that you buy from USDC, from Circle, 
there is a dollar sitting at Goldman Sachs. They're their backers. They give them $400 million to do this. And you know that at any time you want your dollars back, you can always redeem your dollars for fair value. So there's no risk of Bitcoin going up or down or something else happening. At any time, you can always take your stuff out, go back to Circle, and the dollars are sitting in a trust account, and you can just pull your dollars back. So there's now you can basically deposit that. We don't sell the USDC. We don't sell Bitcoin. You have to buy it somewhere else. And the only th service we provide is that you, again, you can download our app. We give you an address uh, with BitGo, our custodian. They're a trust company as well. And you can deposit these stable coins with us, almost like a savings account. We're just not a bank. And we put these things to work, just like a bank puts them to work. They lend them out. We charge 9%. 80% of 9% is 7.1%. And that's what we pay you out. So we, we pay you in USDC. We pay you in stable coin. So if you give us 100 USDC on January 1st, at the end of the year, you're going to have 107.1 USDC. You can withdraw this at any time. There's no lockup. There's no minimum period. There's no early termination fee or contract or anything. You can deposit at any time or withdraw at any time. And whatever is the earned amount, you can convert back into dollars and ship it back to your bank account. So the and same so, process, and the same process yeah, go, works yeah, for 18 other currencies that we have. So we have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Ripple, and so on and so on. All the most popular ones where we can generate yield on these cryptocurrencies. Compare that to like a Robinhood or a Cash App or something like that that's out there. Like what is, what's kind of the, the difference between Celsius and one of those things? So, so all the fintech companies, right? All these young companies that are dollar denominated, right? They do services for you in dollars. They're all stuck in this cycle that the Fed controls, right? And so their yields, their returns are, are dramatically lower than ours because unfortunately what we've done in 2008 uh, when the Federal Reserve basically had to bail out the entire U.S. economy is that they lowered the rates to zero and they allowed the financial institutions, especially banks, to earn very high returns so they could recapitalize themselves. And, and what happened is that, you know, we're whatever, 10, 11 years later, uh, and most Americans can earn money on their money. The banks are more powerful, more uh, profitable than ever before. And the Fed cannot raise the rate. Every time the Fed is trying to raise the rate, the market throws a tantrum. It drops a few hundred points. And the Fed backs down and says, okay, 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 we're not going to raise the rates. So, and that's all banks and financial institutions crying like a baby basically saying, no, no, we have easy money. Why, why are you taking it away from us? Don't take it away from us. We got so used to this easy money that, that we don't know how to make money any other way. So anyone who swims in that pool of liquidity that, that the Fed basically flooded the market with will earn very, very low returns, right? Because they cannot deploy the assets effectively and all, all those assets are yielding low single digits. The beauty of cryptocurrencies is that, they, that we swim in a different pool. We're running on different rails and we operate in a completely different environment. And the yields in those environments are as high as double, double digits, right? So the banks can generate double digit returns. If you do a quick search, a Google search on JP Morgan return on assets, you'll see that they're yielding 17 to 24%. So JP Morgan can easily pay you 7.1%, just like Celsius does. They just don't want to. And they don't have to because no one else offers that either. So they, half of JP Morgan's 17 trillion in assets does not pay any interest whatsoever because most Americans are too lazy to move their few hundred dollars from their, from their checking account to their savings account. So what we do is we basically say it doesn't matter if you moved it, you didn't move it, it doesn't matter if, uh, what you're thinking or what you're doing, automatically anything you have in deposit with us earns the highest yield and we treat a person with a dollar and a person with $10 million exactly the same way, right? Because we're always acting in the best interest of the deposit. We're not trying to steal as much money from you as possible. So that, that's the fundamental kind of difference and, and the opposite, right? We do the opposite of what the banks do. What about for like safety and security and things like that? I know that, you know, one of the huge concerns that a lot of people have is around like, is this going to last? Is this going to, you know, to be around? Is my money, you know, secure? Because I think that that's the thing that obviously people are paying for with peace of mind, right? With their their cash, they're paying for peace of mind by putting it in a bank. I think 
we know that the uh, crypto is here, it's not going anywhere. But I think for a lot of people, they don't necessarily feel that way. What what does something like Celsius offer in terms of like risk profile? So look, we're we not a bank, right? And uh, we're not pretending to be a bank, right? But you think banks are safe, right? And and when you dig in, you realize that the, mo- the safest bank is leveraged 10 to 1. And ba- other banks like Deutsche Bank are leveraged 50 to 1. That means that for every dollar you gave them, they lent out $50 to people. So even if 2% of their loans go bad, they are out of business, right? They, they become delinquent. And, and that's what happened in 2008, right? I mean, 2008, the banks woke up in the morning and realized that they lost more than 5% of their assets. And when you leverage, again, 10 to 1, 20 to 1, uh, you disappear overnight. That's how Lehman Brothers uh, went to a liquidation. Right, because they were leveraged fifty to one, and they lost about five percent of their of their assets, and they couldn't open for business on Monday morning. So, you know, we we were told we were sold this idea that banks are safe and banks are here to stay. But every ten or fifteen years, we end up bailing them out, and we bail them out with taxpayers' money and with cheap uh, loans I- issued through very very low interest rates that the Fed issues them as capital. So. The reality is that what Celsius tried to do is create a financial institution uh, that has negative leverage. What does it mean negative leverage? Always have more deposits than loans. And we're using the blockchain as an immutable mechanism to be able to provide that full transparency, right? If you download our app, you will see that we publish in real time what we have on deposit, how many customers, what's the average deposit, how many loans did we issue, everything is published right there on our community page. But if you don't trust us, you can go to the blockchain and you can audit everything we've said in real time. You don't have to wait for Ernst & Young to issue a report 15 months from now when they finish the audit. You can do it in real time by just looking at the blockchain and verifying that everything we're saying is correct because that's the beauty of the blockchain. It's fully transparent. You can't hide anything. So that kind of transparency does not exist. There isn't a single institution in the world today that does this. Try, try to do that. Try to go to your bank. When you make your next deposit, ask the bank to give you full audit of where your money is going to be used for, who is going to be borrowing it, uh, uh, did they pay it back, did the bank distribute that loan or the interest back to you, did you get 80% of that or 50% of that or whatever, right? The bank will laugh at you, right? Or if you, if you want to demand from them to give you a higher interest, they'll laugh at you, right? So what we're fixing or what we're replacing is, is this attitude that banks have, which again, I've seen again and again in the industries that I've been involved with, where they basically have this God-given monopoly to take your money and, and give you nothing for it. So like uh, the movie Network said, you know, I'm mad as hell and I'm just not going to take this anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm doing this on behalf of 7, bil- 7 billion people. You know, I'm, I'm part of the 1%. I'm part of the one-tenth of 1%, right? Personally, because, our, you know, I've, Come to this country, did seven startup, raised a billion dollars, had three billion in exits. But, you know, I have six kids at home and I can tell you that I don't see how they're going to do better than me. I don't see how they are going to prosper in a country where you just don't have a chance, right? 90% of Americans don't have a chance to, to you know, they have the same wealth as one-tenth of, of the country, right? 33,000 families have the same wealth as 300 million Americans. So... You know, I, I, I don't feel that that is fair and I don't feel that that is something that, that this country was created for. And the only way to break that out is to give the average Joe a chance to, to earn more on their, on their own money, right? Warren Buffett famously said that many times that the most powerful force in the universe is, is interest, interest payments, right? And most of us don't have access to that, right? Most of us, he's done an excellent job investing in companies that are paying dividends and reinvesting that yep. again and again and again. But he's done it for himself and his shareholders, right? Uh, I don't think anyone uh, received a great dividend check. Most Americans, most of your listeners didn't receive a great dividend check, neither from the bank or from Warren Buffett. So, so the system works very well for the wealthy, but it doesn't work very well for, for the people who don't have a PhD in economics or didn't figure out how to create returns on their... Uh, on their capital. So for our listeners who want to check out Celsius, do you got a promo code to share for, on air with, uh, with the listeners that, are, that want to sign up? Is there anything they need? 
So, so all you have to do is go to the App Store or the Android Store and, and download the Celsius Network app, which, again, we don't have any promos because we treat the little guy and the big guy exactly the same way. So there's no, we don't do special deals or, or anything like that. We guarantee that we, every week, every Monday, we pay interest. We pay that uh, based on our earnings the previous week. We publish all that information and, and whatever you put into the, into the wallet, uh, you just become pro rata of the entire uh, pool and that's what you're earning, right? So you can see how much the, how the whole pool earned and you can see that you received a fair distribution. Again, we only pay in cryptocurrencies. So we only take deposits in cryptocurrency and pay in cryptocurrency. I set you up for that one. and I, I, I knew there wasn't that. Okay, well, we got a few more minutes here. Anything else that you wanted to touch on before we get into our lightning round question? So for me, this is a call to action. Like when I do these podcasts or, or interviews or whatever, for me, this is an opportunity to really get a lot of people involved in the community, learn about the crypto community and bring others, right? With this be only become, we're only successful if many, many people join. And the only way they join is if uh, everybody who's listening goes and tells, uh, spreads the gospel to 10 other people, right? So, and I, I don't mean the Celsius gospel. I'm talking about the decentralization of blockchain, things like that, right? Because my feeling is, is that again, the, this is the fourth system, right? It's kind of, it's here to make capitalism even better. And uh, unless we take the power and do it the right way, the only way we can make this happen is to convince people to stop depositing money in banks and put it in a place where they can actually have an organization that acts in their best interest. The, the perfect analogy here is like, again, going back to Voice of IP, probably none of your listeners know how VoIP works, right? But they'll use it every day. And, and we want the same thing here. We want, we want MOIP or money over IP to work the same way where you use it every day, but you don't need to understand how the blockchain or crypto or consensus or, or any of this stuff, open ledger, all these things work. So Celsius is basically hiding all that complexity behind a very, very simple app that acts in your best interest. And all you have to do is decide, do you want a risky asset like Bitcoin or altcoins, or do you want a safe asset like stable coins? And then you can basically just let it ride, right? Let it do what it does and enjoy the benefits. It's interesting because I signed up for the app in preparation for this. And it is interesting how simple, you know, and kudos to your team, how simple your team made it. And I think that a lot of times you see the best innovation in the simplicity. Obviously, Apple's famous for this. Google's famous for this in providing a simple user experience that's kind of a crystal clear value proposition to the to the customer. Can you talk about just like a little bit before we get into the lightning round here, you know, actually creating the product, you created voice over IP, which was an extremely simple process or excuse me, simple product, the very non-simple process once before, like how did you, how did you think about creating this product? So luckily for me, I'm old enough to have lived through the internet revolution. And, and I can tell you that the first few years of internet, 90 to 95, it was a miserable experience, right? Uh, Dial-up BBSs where you had to dial a different number for every service you wanted. And, and then the Netscape moment came, right? And, and kind of, even though it wasn't a perfect product, it was, it basically immediately showed you that there was a much better way to navigate and surf and, and, and so on. So, you know, obviously Apple with the iPhone, the same thing. So when, when you've lived through this several times, you instinctively, viscerally know what is a good experience and what is a bad experience? And, and, you know, I think the team here at Celsius, you know, we have 65 people have set a very high bar for ourselves not to release a product before we felt that everybody on the planet can understand it and use it and not have to know anything about cryptocurrencies or cryptography or private keys or public keys or what, it, what that even means, right? So it wasn't easy, right? And again, the technology wasn't there for several years. So we had to wait and, and, make sure that when we launch, we have all the pieces to deliver this and that it works for everybody, right? Because, you know, it still is an issue for, for many customers that they either don't trust or don't understand how these things work. So I think we've done well, but there's plenty more. I mean, we, we, we have a lot of stuff in the pipeline that, that we want to add that will make it even simpler, 
right? And, and part of this is adoption. Part of this is making sure that the vendors and the other people who are on the other side of the transaction cooperate as well so you can remove the obstacles, remove all the different hurdles that make people take a few extra steps, like, for example, buying the stable coins from Circle instead of buying them directly in the app, right? So these are the things that we're still working on to kind of remove more and more and more of these things so it will be a one-click transaction, just like when you do a VoIP call, you look at somebody's name, you click on it, and you talk to them. So that's the kind of experience we want to, we want to have at the end. There's the moment in the onboarding process where you have to enter your social security number. I'd imagine that there's a significant drop-off portion at that moment in the onboarding process. Or, or maybe there's not. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's not true. Could you talk about that? Yeah, so we actually have a lot of barriers. We have a KYC ML barrier, uh, which is very hard for people because of the problems with identity theft and things like that on the internet. So we decided from day one that we're going to be a, a good actor. We're going to do everything by the book. And we have three different law firms telling us every day what we're allowed and not allowed to do. So we have all these steps that are here to make sure that not just we're compliant with the law, but also that everybody in the community is a good actor, right? Because you don't want bad apples in this community. Like a few bad guys doing bad things can blow up the entire service for everybody else. So, so we've taken great care in making sure that we are uh, building the service in a way that will deter bad actors and deter scammers and people like that from entering our community. We, we have to ask for a social security number because the income you're generating here, we have to report to the, to the IRS if you're a U.S. citizen. You know, for uh, know your customer and anti-money laundering reasons, we have to ask you for your driving license and for, or for your passport and things like that. So these, there's definitely a high drop rate, uh, probably over 50% from the people who kind of download the app to the people who go through all of these steps. But uh, the rewards are the fact that you know that the people who are in our community are, are depositing more and more and more. Like you mentioned before, the average person that we have has over 10 wallets or uh, accounts on exchanges, and we can see them. They usually will make a small deposit from one account. They'll wait a few weeks to make sure they got paid interest, and then you'll start seeing trickles. You know, right now, we close almost nine deposits, right? So our average user has given us nine deposits. And most of these come from different addresses. So uh, you can see the trust level basically building up and people basically putting more and more assets uh, with us. And our job is to deliver, continue delivering this high yield, right? Because it's easy to do that with $10 million, but it's very difficult to do it with $10 billion. So uh, what we're working feverishly is to make sure that we can balance having enough deposits and at the same time being, being able to deploy them and earn this return so we can scale this for the entire community, right? And that's really the, the challenge. I mean, I've done this successfully with Voice over IP. We cleared the uh, VoIP for 4,000 phone companies all over the world, managed over 10% of the world's uh, VoIP traffic through my company, Arbinet, right? And billions of people use the service. So I've seen this movie before with Voice over IP. I know how it ends. And uh, we're just basically getting there faster than other people because of our unique experience. All right, let's get into lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like the lightning platform from Salesforce. Fast and easy questions. Are you ready? Sure, let's do it. What app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? The most fun, wow. And probably Snapchat with the crazy stuff that my kids send me. So definitely <laughs> probably the most fun over there. What about your favorite vacation spot? I like kite surfing. So anywhere where there's wind and uh, calm seas, that's my spot. So it could be Long Island or it could be Portugal or you name it. Like uh, anywhere where there's a good, good, good wind. You know, I'm sure my kids want to do something else, but uh, I, I drag them to where we have some wind. What about your favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? There's a lot of amazing uh, podcasts. I did the Pump one like, that you mentioned before. Yep. So I have an episode with him. Uh, he's very good. I think he's, he, he squeezes everything out of you. So he's a very good uh, listener and he asks great questions. I've done probably over a hundred of these. So I, I can't pay, pick favorites, but 
and I listen to a bunch as well. So, so definitely there are so many of them now so that if you, you can pick your flavor and there's going to be 10 to choose from. So a lot of good content out there. What about your favorite time-saving tool? You're a busy guy. So my, my favorite tool is writing the five most important things at the end of the day and then looking at them first thing in the morning. And what I find out many times is that what I thought was important is completely not relevant after you had a good night's sleep. So you can calibrate what you need to work on and it shows you where the delta is, like what, what you think is important that's not so important or reevaluate the things that you really need to focus on. What is your best advice for first-time CEO and founder? So it's a very difficult job. I mean, it's a lonely job. It's a job where you have to question yourself all the time. And it's easy when you're right, but when you're wrong and when, you, when you're swimming against the tide and, and you continue to make mistakes and you don't understand why, no one has the answers for you. So the, the problem with this is that you don't have the time to figure it out. I mean, they, you know, again, as an eight-time founder of different companies in different industries, I can tell you that there is no book or, or person that you can call on who will give you all the answers. So uh, usually my answers are that the, the best advice is always raise more money than you need and always hire as many smart people as you can, which obviously you heard many times, but you need to understand, you need to know yourself I need to know what are your weak points. And when you're hiring these smart people, they have to cover those weak points for you, right? And they have to cover them five times better than you can do the job, right? And that's where a lot of entrepreneurs fail. They, they hire people that walk, smell, and, and talk exactly the way they do. And especially in the blockchain space, it's a nine, nine geeks and a dog, you know? Like, for example, Celsius, we have half of our team is women, right? You want a revolution, you want... You want the world to adopt what you're doing, guess what? Half of the people on the planet are women. So you, you better hire some women into your company. Otherwise, you're just not going to build the right product. So, so it's things like this that seem obvious, but I see too many companies that are failing to deliver on them and, and they don't understand the consequences. What question do you never get asked that I didn't ask you today in the pump didn't ask you that you wish you were asked more often? Well, I, I would say that people don't say, well, Alex, you're already rich. Why are you doing this? Are you really doing it for the people? I don't believe you, right? So no one, no one calls me out on that. Like people are basically, they either believe or they don't believe themselves, but they don't basically pin you and say, okay, I want to understand why you are doing this for other people because I'm sure that there is a, a selfish reason in there and, and you're just not telling us about it. So that's like one thing that I think is, is, is an important question that probably not getting asked uh, often. So why are you doing it? <laughs> so again, I don't know if it's my uh, co communist upbringing, like uh, I was seven when I left, but, but still I think I've uh, like 1% of me is still there believing that we're all good and we could all uh, just live on this pl planet and act in everybody's best interest. But I think, I, I managed to find ways to where I can do well only after I did good and only then I did well. Like Voice of IP, we did a lot of good, right? I mean, we, we, we did a lot of good all over the planet and then we did well, right? Uh, I did the wireless in the subways in New York, right? So there was 10 years of convincing the MTA to give us a license to put something. Yeah. You know, I used wireless in the subways in Paris 35 years ago. So it was just completely ridiculous that the 8 million people go down a few steps and disconnect from the world every day. So, but this was also, this was doing good, convincing the city and then getting the phone companies to pay for it and giving it for free to 8 million people every day. You know? So Celsius is not something new. Celsius is, is just another way that I found to do good, right? Do good for hopefully for 7 billion people and do well, because how do we do well? And a lot of people will get neglected to ask this question. And we've proven again and again that the companies that can amass a huge network are worth a lot of money. WhatsApp, which is the most successful VoIP company, much more successful than my company, Arbitent, has managed to sell itself for $22 billion to Facebook, even though they had zero in revenues. They didn't make a dollar in revenues, right, when they sold. 
because they don't charge anything. So Celsius plans to do the same thing. Celsius plans to add billions of customers and tens of billions or hundreds of billions of dollars in assets and, and eventually sell itself only if someone promises to continue doing what we're doing forever uh, in the same format. And then we'll do, we'll do good for ourselves, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think every, every innovation, I think every technological innovation, uh, I don't know if you ever read Clayton Christensen, but he always, he talks about something that's exponentially better than nothing, right? And, and that's what it really feels like a lot of this blockchain, what the future of it is, is like you said, we'll look back and say like, we were, we were just kind of giving away our money for nothing in return for how long? And it kind of just feels like like that'll be uh, you know the case in the future when we realize oh there's a way way better way of doing this. So any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Obviously you know everyone should check out Celsius, but uh, yeah, anything else? No, look, we're we're we are a community of uh, of users, right? So we have about eighty five thousand users right now, downloads, uh, and what we need is much more feedback, right? I mean we we're, we want this to work everywhere on the planet. And right now, about half of our users are Americans, half are from over 120 other countries. But what we need is a lot of feedback. And we're a very active community right now. But we'd love for everyone who's listening here to try the product and, and tell us what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, and what we can do better. Because uh, our mission is to, again, create the best product and deliver the most value to, to our members. But I'm sure there's simple things that we can do even better and, and love to hear from you guys. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, and uh, good luck you know, going forward. This is exciting stuff. Yep. Thanks for having us. And uh, let's, let's do it again. Compare notes in a year or two and see where we, where we raise the bar. Salesforce just introduced Salesforce Blockchain, the industry's first truly declarative blockchain platform integrated into your CRM. Learn more at salesforce.com slash blockchain.